the college football experience interview with former Eddie Robinson, coach of the year, Scott Wackenheim episode on the sports gambling podcast network is brought to you by game time. Snag the tickets without the stress. Use the promo code CFBX on your first purchase to save $20. Download the game time app. Use that promo code CFBX for $20 off. Russell brought to you by underdog fantasy. Yes. Play the uh, underdog pick them in college or NFL and win up to 20 times the amount of money you can enter in one game. Uh, plus every Sunday they're giving away a, th- a th- hundred thousand dollars. Whoo. Use the promo code SGPN at underdog fantasy for a hundred percent deposit bonus up to $500. Russell brought to you by VEASAN the network. Yes. Sign up now and save 40% off with their football season special. When you use the promo code SGP, once again, vison.com slash subscribe promo code SGP. And finally we're brought to you by hall of fame bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use that promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. And remember, as always, folks, to let it ride. This is Jerry Glanville, and you're listening to SGPN. Let it ride, brother. Football experience, the FCS college football experience, joint episode here. Yes, the uh, this is the FCS college football experience and the FBS college football experience because we have a special guest. This is a special episode. We have an interview with uh, former Eddie Robinson, FCS coach of the year, Scott Wackenheim. And uh, look, I'm excited to, to have him on the show because. Uh, I think he's a fantastic coach. I was a big fan of the, his run at VMI uh, a couple of years ago when they won the SoCon made the FCS playoffs and almost knocked off the JMU Dukes. But not only that, just to pick the brain of a coach that I, I, I really respect uh, Scott Wackenheim. And, and, you know, this is a guy that was a former offensive lineman at air force. He's uh, he, he coached, uh, he was a GA at air force. He was a coach with Arkansas. Uh, back in the, I think it was the Barry Foster era, perhaps uh, the Colorado Buffaloes with Bill McCartney, uh, Utah state, Gary Patterson He's going to talk about Gary Patterson was on that staff with them at Utah state. He was at, at rice for a while. He was with Liberty, you know, and they're part of the reason why Liberty was able to get to uh, where they got. He was also with the Washington Redskins under the Jim Zorn era. Uh, and then the Virginia Cavaliers uh, before landing at VMI and, and uh, you know, winning a SOCOD championship and becoming Eddie Robinson FCS coach of the year. So I'm honored to have him on uh, to talk ball. We're going to talk all things ball uh, FBS FCS and, and just uh, you know, I'm going to get a chance to uh, p- pick. It's so much better when you're not having to listen to, to me, right? Which I guess I should introduce myself in case you're a first time listener. Look, my name is Colby Swiggin, database dad, AKA Pick Dundee. That's not a pick. This is a pick. He was raised in the land down under where a man thinks on his feet, speaks with his fists, and lives by his wits. When Dundee happened, he was a superstar. Nobody knows nothing. Somebody knows. Double the price. But no one touches Dundee. Yes! No one touches Dundee. Look, I think I know something about football, but I'm not a coach. I want to get inside the mind of the coaches, try to understand what they see it as. We're going to talk a little Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. We're going to talk a little Dan Lanning at Oregon, Kerwin Bell at Western Carolina, and the Catamounts. Uh, we're jumping all around. Talk Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes, uh, and, and and so on, and so on, and so it's Troy Calhoun. You know. Uh, talk about army shifting to the shotgun because uh, 
you know, Coach Watts, Scott Wackenham, Heim, I'm sorry, uh, he ran the air raid at a service academy, and he ran it very successfully. So it should be uh, interesting to see if he buys into what Jeff Munkin is doing. And that's why I was honored. I mean, honestly, this is an interview he hit me up, and I was honored to uh, to have him on the show, and I hope you dig this episode. Uh, so uh, before I get to the actual episode, I want to tell you, that the college football experience and the FCS college football experience, Scott Wackenheim interview, uh, Coach Wackenheim, uh, is brought to you by Game Time. Yes, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be that stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater that is near you. And with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets to start getting hyped for the fun that you'll be having at that very event. All right. And forget planning months in advance. I mean, what's that ever done? Uh, <laughs> game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. The game time guarantee means you'll you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you one hundred and ten percent of the difference. Uh, so, folks, what are you doing? Snag the tickets without the uh, snag the tickets without the stress uh, with the game time app. Download the game time app, create an account, use the promo code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase terms apply. Once again, uh, create that account. CFBX is the redeeming code and get $20 off. Download the game time app. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by underdog fantasy. Yes. Underdog has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. You can win up to 20 times the amount of money you enter in a single game by going five, four, five. And from now until October 4th, underdog is matching hundred percent of the first deposits up to $500. Uh, and look, they're giving away a hundred grand every Sunday on underdog fantasy. Whew, that's a lot of money. Uh, and, and get this, they have a $2 million in prizes going up for season long contest, a hundred K in prizes each Sunday, $10,000 to 10 different people randomly. Uh, the new sweepstakes are every single week of the NFL season. So check it out. Uh, watch along, make your picks and maybe even make a little extra cash over at underdogs, mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $500. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by VEASAN. Yes, sign up now with the sign up now and save 40% off their football season special, which you're going to want to get when you use the promo code SGP. Once again, that's VEASAN, V-S-I-N.com uh, slash subscribe, promo code SGP. And look, my pals, Sean and Ryan of the of SGP are in a contest going head to head with other VEASAN shows to see who could sell the most subscriptions. The winning show gets a thousand dollar Super Bowl future. The best part is Sean and Ryan are going to cut you in on the prize if they win. Uh, so step one, go to VEASAN.com. That's V-S-I-N.com slash subscribe. Use that promo code SGP to sign up. And step two is go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash VEASAN to submit your proof of purchase. If they win, you'll, you'll get to vote on what team, you know, to, to use the thousand uh, dollar Super Bowl future on. And if it hits, you'll get an equal piece of the action. So go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe, use that promo code SGP, then hop over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash VEASAN to submit. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. And look, you can enter any parlay idea into the Hall of Fame bets revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down leg by leg, as well as a, 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 an expectancy. Uh, you know, an expected win probability essentially for the entire parlay. Uh, look, stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent, data driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use that promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame bets. Joining me on the college football experience is former Eddie Robinson FCS coach of the year, Scott Wackenheim. Coach, watch how you doing, man. Appreciate you hopping on the show. Thanks for having me, Cody. I'm doing extremely well. Uh, 
I, I got first off, it was fantastic that that you contact uh, like pretty much how the how this came up organically. I have been a fan of watching VMI over the years, and I know you've coached everywhere. By the way, I should I should I guess jump in by telling the audience that this is a guy that played for the Air Force Falcons back in the '80s. So uh, under Fisher to Barry, coached I think uh, 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 I think it was the year after the Colorado National Championship with Bill McCartney. You were a GA there. You were a GA I think at with the Arkansas Razorbacks, and then you you went to uh, what Rice. Uh, Liberty, uh, you've been all over, uh, and and just I, I I was familiar from your days at VMI. I remember the playoff run, and you did such a great job there with the key debts. Uh, you just recently retired. I gotta just go into it. How is retirement treating you? Well, you know, I'm competing for the uh, pickleball championship at uh, the Falston Senior Center, so uh, retirement's pretty good. But no, mostly I spend time with my <laughs> wife uh, Carla. We've been married 36 years, and I got two grandsons uh, that uh, I get to hang out with every day. And then I've got two more grandchildren on the way. You know, I'm not 100% sure that I'm retired, but uh, it would take a heck of an opportunity to get back in it. And, uh, you know, I am open to that with the right person were to call or the right situation were to come up. But, uh, you know, retirement's been good and uh, I'm enjoying it. And uh, I'm getting to watch my younger son, Tyson, who coaches at Towson University. He's the tight end coach there. And, uh, I get to see him play. So life is good. Fantastic. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's awesome. I'm not the pay, pay close attention to the Towson Tigers as I know they're in uh they're in a bit of a transitional stage, brand new, brand new head coach there. But do you, how often do you get to watch FCS and FBS college football? Are you still glued to the TVs every Saturday? I'm not glued. So, you know, what I try to do is I try to pick out a game or two to watch the entire game, you know, I think when you try and flip back between multiple games, you really don't get the essence of the game. And if I'm going to comment on Twitter, which I've been doing more in an effort to, you know, be a servant to coaches, hopefully my comments can help them be a better coach or, you know, maybe educate a fan or two if, if I'm putting something out there about a game. So I'll pick a game or two to, to watch uh, during the day. And, uh, you know, I will go to the Towson University football game if the weather's good. If the weather's bad, I'll just stay home and watch it on TV. Uh, I, I'm kind of a little bit tied to Southern Conference football, but if there's, you know, a, a, a game that's of particular interest, I'll try and catch that as well. And, and then, of course, you know, my ties to Air Force. I'm very, you know, interested in what the Air Force Academy is doing week in and week out since I was a 1980 graduate. And just to help you, I played for Ken Hatfield. Fisher DeBerry was the offensive coordinator where I was ah. there. And uh, so I entered there in 1980, graduated in 84. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was a great experience there and then got into coaching and, and been loving it ever since. But uh, basically watch one or two games a week, try to educate myself you know I really try to watch the games for if I was a head coach what would decision would I make I, you know I really try and focus on that I leave the you know other stuff to to the the commentators and the fans watching I got you so wait I I, I there's so many ways I want to take this right now but Air Force were they running the triple option when you were there yeah so when I first got there we were in the I formation and we were transitioning to some wishbone and, you know, my freshman year, we probably ran the eye for three or four weeks. We realized we weren't moving the ball in the eye and we were doing good in the wishbone. And so we, we went to that and actually took the first drive against Notre Dame down for a touchdown. But, uh, you know, we, we kind of angered them and that was about all we scored that game. <laughs> but uh, from that point on, you know, I think Coach Hatfield knew that that was the way Levels to go. This, um, a, you know, Mike Leach was, a, was a, a good friend of ours. Rest in peace uh, to, to Coach Leach. And, um, you know, I, I got a chance to hang out with coach Leach and it's funny. I, I was not aware that he modeled the air raid after the triple option. He, that was to me what he said. He goes, well, I figured the triple option was basically capitalizing on space and, and numbers. We, you, there's gotta be a form and variation that we can do for, for this in the air. And that was uh, in a way in the infancy of uh, the air, the air raid offense, what he modeled it after. Um, and that's why I, I was shocked to to see that you're an Air Force guy. And then when I was watching you at VMI, it, you guys were running air raid. What what was the what was the mindset behind that? Well, I might be the only guy that uh, has been an offensive coordinator in the wishbone and uh, in a head coach in the air raid. 
So it, it starts with Ken Hatfield. You know, when I played for him, he said, you always got to do something different uh, than everybody in the league, unless you're just simply better. And so when I went to VMI, I knew we weren't going to be better than everybody else in the league. When I went to the league, it was primarily at that time, the SOCON's changed since then, a running football league. Citadel was running the wishbone. Uh, you know, Furman was running some sort, sort of option. ETSU was running I-Power, 22 personnel stuff. And so to be different, you know, I thought we needed to throw the ball. I agree with Mike Leach that the triple option wishbone teams or flexbone teams are exactly the same offense as the air raid. It's just instead of handing the football the fullback, you might run the inside zone or throw an OTB to get ball out in space instead of pulling and pitching it on the option. You just throw a you know quick a swing pass to the back or a quick sting pass out to the receiver. So, you know, it all made sense to me um, that that was the way to win at VMI was to try and spread people out, play fast, because uh, I thought we could be in better shape um, because of the physical attributes of VMI. And um, I thought that would help us score enough points to win the game. Also, recruiting is different. You know, at VMI, when I was there, I don't know if it's changed. I think it has a little bit, but we had to get 63% uh, of our players from the state of Virginia because it was half the price for an in-state scholarship versus an out-of-state scholarship. And, you know, it's easier to recruit a slot receiver than it is to recruit a slot back. I think guys would rather catch a bubble pass than go in there and load block. So, you know, all those things, you know, probably played into place on, on why we became an air raid offense. Had I gone back to VMI based on the league, yeah, yeah, I know we're, we're you're breaking up a tiny bit there, but um, uh, well, that's what I find fascinating. So you have the and and, and I know you're an Air Force guy, and I got to give Troy Calhoun some some a hard time a little bit. I got a chance to sit down with Coach Calhoun uh, in in July, and uh, you know, there's all these NCA rule changes regarding the cut block, and Jeff Munkin was going to the shotgun at Army. And I asked Troy Calhoun, you know, are we going to see you more out of the gun? He said, yes, they've changed. You know, I don't know why the NCAA is coming from the service academies. I thought he made, I thought I actually thought he made a very logical point on the fact that I thought we're trying to limit helmet to helmet stuff. And now if we can't block low, you're going to black block high, which is going to lead to potentially more concussions. But I'll get your take on that in a second. But coach Calhoun basically telling me he's going to be throwing the ball a lot more and that he, he, he basically gave me a little bit of a lemon saying, uh, yeah, I think this, our team's going to have a, a lot of struggles based on these new rule changes. Hey, they're undefeated and they're barely passing the ball. I, I'm sitting here coming back to the studio thinking I got a nugget. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, look, you know, maybe, maybe we, we, we fade air force when we do our weekly picks with our friends here. Uh, no, they're looking fantastic, but I am curious. I am curious though, your thoughts on the rule changes and also like how Jeff Munkin, because army is throwing the ball a lot more. Uh, running the it's still a kind of a triple option with the Kennesaw offense there, but a what what do you think of of the 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 actual rules and and I know Coach Calhoun was saying that he thinks the game is actually more unsafe with these new rules than it was prior and and also what what do you think of Army moving to this uh you know radical change in a way uh, from an offensive philosophy standpoint? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of study on the cut blocking rules. And it's, you know, it's amazing you can still cut block in the offensive line on the backside on defensive linemen. But, you know, you can't go out on a screen pass and cut a corner um, or, you know, a, a running back the same thing. So uh, I'm going to leave that for the experts that come up with the rules. I, I'm not sure, you know, if if it's cutting down injuries, great. If it's not, then, you know, why are you doing it? Um, as far as moving to the uh, shotgun and doing some of the same things. I think you do that some for recruiting. You know, I think players like to see um, what they're doing on offense by the big time teams or in the NFL. And so when you move some of the same concepts to the shotgun, they feel a little bit maybe more comfortable coming to their school because they get to see it on NFL or, you know, Madden football by the majority of the teams they play with. So I think that's helpful. I think Coach Monken knows his team and knows what fits his team. And so I think that is, you know, helpful for him. And, you know, Coach Hatfield used to always say we were going to throw the ball more and we never did. I don't think they've had to at Air Force. You know, I think Troy, maybe when he told you that, was definitely giving you a nugget. But 
when I've watched them play, they, you know, Coach Lobotsky's doing a great job with their old line and they are just physically dominating people running the football. So, you know, if you can run it down there, you know, why throw it? So it will be interesting how the year, you know, how the year progresses for Air Force, but I'm proud of them being 4-0. Um, you know, Troy's done a great job and uh, his, him and his staff, you know, I think their defense was number one in the country in several categories with Coach Knorr, Brian Knorr who I did play with Brian. Uh, he was a backup quarterback when I played. And so, um, you know, hats off to both Army and and, uh, and Air Force. They're, they're off to a great start. Yeah, and, and Air Force, one of the things, I mean, A, uh, they've been great defensively, um, but but to me, they have so many different guys that can run the ball. And, and you know, I thought they would regress, especially after Calhoun was telling me that uh, Coach Calhoun was telling me, oh, we lost to Zeke Daniels, our quarterback, and Brad Roberts, thousand yard running back. We're just going to be a mess this year. I love that angle. I Now, next year, when I see him again, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a hard time about that. But because uh, <laughs> they look fantastic, and I think they might be able to contend in the Mountain West. Um, uh, a couple other things going on in the state of Colorado, and I, I have to, I have to ask about it. I know everybody, everybody wants to talk about it. Is the Dion Sanders effect? Uh, you were once an assistant under Bill or a, a GA. I'm sorry, under uh, under Bill McCartney at Colorado when they were a, a real powerhouse. Uh, what's your take in general about Dion Sanders coming coming to Colorado? So maybe you know, foot. They went through some some really challenging years there, but. Now you, you, everyone, every station's talking about the Colorado Buffaloes. He's got, you know, kind of a, a different approach. I would say on coaching, uh, you know, maybe a little more, you know, in your face cameras everywhere, but uh, what, what, what's your take in general about Deion Sanders with the Colorado Buffaloes? I love what Deion Sanders is doing, you know, and only Deion can do it. He, he's a unique talent, you know, obviously as an athlete playing in a world series and super bowl, uh, he's a unique personality. Uh, that I don't think anybody can duplicate. You know, he's got instant uh, acceptability from his players and recruits because he did it on the field. And, you know, when he first went to Jacksonville State as a head coach, I go, man, I, I, I wasn't a big fan because, you know, I had to be a GA for four or five years to get my first assistant coaching job. And he kind of went right in as a head coach. But, you know, watching what he's done at, at Jacksonville State and then at Colorado, I just couldn't be more impressed. He's doing it his way. He's doing it with a lot of positive energy. You know, why not have the cameras in there? That's what the kids want. That's what the recruits want. Um, you know, it might hold your kids more accountable for a lot of things that you want have happening as a coach because they know everybody's watching them. So I've been really impressed with uh, what he's done and look forward to see how he finishes the season. But I don't I, – I, with that said, there's a lot of controversy. I was really impressed with Dan Lanning. I thought his pregame speech to his Oregon – a ducks was outstanding. I don't think he did it to do anything other than to motivate his team to win and come out to a fast start. I think he knew that everybody was going to be watching that game and it was a great and unique opportunity for him to speak to recruits and uh, he's done a heck of a job there. And boy, you know, I, I, am looking forward to following the Oregon ducks and, and, and seeing how they finish out as well. But, um, I really like what Coach Sanders is doing. He's mo a motivator. He's a recruiter. He's a fundraiser. He'd hired outstanding coaches. Sean Lewis, I coached against as when he was the head coach at Kent State, outstanding offensive coordinator. And so excited what he's doing. He's definitely brought the interest level uh, of Colorado football and all of NCAA football uh, to a new high. So um, kudos to him. And again, I don't think anybody can duplicate it. I think he's a unique person that God gave him certain abilities that very few of us ever did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm completely on board with you with Dan Lanning. I think, you know, I, this is one of the things where social media, you know, not to, to, to be an old man here and say, ah, oh, you know, this, I don't like this, but I, I, I thought everyone was overreacting. I'm like, wait, you know, okay. They showed us that film, but I would expect any of the opposing coaches if you've ever played football to kind of, you know, now I, I, I guess maybe Dan Lanning knew or didn't know that it got released to the, uh, to the public, but in general, at that moment, he's not thinking about the video. He's thinking about rallying his team to go out there, defend their home uh, stadium and be, and beat the Colorado Buffalo. So I think it's, it's crazy to have that reaction of saying like, Oh, you know, uh, this is not good. This is not good for what he's doing. You know, I, I just think, you know, have you ever played the sport? I feel like that's a normal thing. I, I, I would bet the previous game when it was Colorado state or when it was Nebraska or TCU, 
even though we didn't get that camera, that window to it, they were probably doing the same thing, right? Well, every coach is going to give his team a pregame, you know, pep talk to try and get them to go out there to play their best and, and start fast. And, you know, the prep talk wears off the first time you get hit in the mouth. You stop thinking about it. <laughs> and, you know, the funny thing is the best guy I've ever been around was Bill McCartney at Colorado. He could make you want to run through a brick wall. But I don't think Dan had any ill feelings in that thing. He wanted to win a football game against a team that was a viable contender to come into Eugene and beat him. And he wanted his team at his best. And they, they did play their best. And if he really wanted to do something, I mean, they were up 39 to nothing at halftime. And, you know, the final scores were 42-7 or 42-6. Yeah. He, I mean, you, come on, man. He, 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 he's, he's a class guy. I, I like what he did. And, uh, you know, if I was in the Oregon Ducks head coach, I would have tried to give a similar a pregame speech, but I don't know if I could do one as good as Dan. That was outstanding. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. And look, that, I, I think, you know, they made a movie of it. People say, Oh, Oregon is, you know, uh, they're in the wrong to do that. I think Oregon Ross was smart enough to know. I don't even know if this is landing. This might be from higher up that, you know, this is recruiting also, you know, Deion Sanders, I think is going to be stealing a lot of big time recruits and uh, Oregon knows that game. I think, well, it's saying, wait, you know, we, we got to make sure that we're still, we're a small town in Oregon. We got to get in to make sure we're still getting into LA and, and San Diego. I know they recruit those areas heavily. So maybe there's a little bit of that to it. I, I don't know. What's you, what do you think about that? The video is hundred percent, the right thing to do. You, you know, recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. You've got to have great players. If you don't have better players, it's very difficult to win with the amount of money coaches make right now. It's hard to out coach people. So, also, you know, you're trying to get NIL money. You're trying to get investors to invest in your program. You got to do whatever you can to get it out there to as many people in a positive light and take advantage of the situations that come your way because you've got to have money to build facilities. You got to have money to pay your staff. You got to have money for your NIL agreements to get the best players. I mean, 100% the right thing to do. And every coach in America is going to move to that, just like. You know, when Twitter or X came out, no coach wanted to get on social media to recruit, yeah. but we wanted to, so we did it. And then you hired media people and publicists to make all these cool graphics and such, because we don't want to do that. We want to draw X's and O's and try and win games, you know? So yeah, this stuff's here to stay, embrace it, and let's go. Yeah, I mean, look, to, to go a little further in on that, I'm curious, you have kind of seen it all. I know you were you played at a service academy, so maybe maybe they're still like the dinosaur here. Cause I, you know, they don't, they can't use the transfer portal. Um, but uh, you, you see the transfer portal, you see the NIL everywhere. Um, you were a part of big time college football programs, you know, uh, uh, regardless of, of, you know, like I said, Colorado, when you were there, where it was uh, in contention for a national championship. Um, what do you, th- are you pro all this movement? What do you, what do you think about in general NIL? And the, the constant use of the transfer portal, because it seems like, you know, there's certain cases. I know Mac Brown was was upset calling out the NCAA for the, the one of his wide receivers didn't get the pass. And if you look into that case, he probably should have got the pass. But at the same time, Mac Brown was the guy also yelling for guardrails and the NCAA finally put the guardrails down. And unfortunately, you know, it's it's messed up, uh, you know, a, a kid's future regarding him playing in North Carolina, but what's your take in general on, on just, on just the whole NIL uh, and transfer portal? Uh, well, players were always transferring. The transfer portal just made it, you know, a more efficient way to do it. And when they allowed players to transfer and be immediately eligible, that's the biggest change that has occurred. And, you know, coaches can leave um, whenever they want, uh, you know, Players should be able to leave also is, you know, and, and I'm on the player side on that. I'm also think that, you know, a lot of revenue is brought into universities from college football. The players should get a, a part of that. What's the best way? You know, I don't, I don't really know that because once you start getting NIL money and stuff, you're, you're open to tax liabilities and things and what kind of, situations that create in your locker room, you know, if, if somebody's getting paid more money than another player and, and the guy who's making the most money sitting on the bench and how do you mitigate that? You know, I haven't had to deal with that myself personally. So you probably need to get a coach on that has, but 
It doesn't really matter what I think, though, Cody, because it's not changing. It's not going back. You're not putting the genie back in the bottle. So overall, I'm in favor of players getting some of the revenue that they create. I'm also in favor of players having the ability to move on if for some situation it's not going the way they envision at the school they're at. Um, And I don't think there'll be a change to that. So, you know, I think coaches are learning how to deal with that. Do there need to be some, you know, rules in place? I don't know, because, you know, every time you add a rule, there's a change and there's some way to get out of it. And there's some, you know, different way to process it. But I would just hope that players understand, student athletes understand that they're not all going pro. Please get your degree. And even if you do go pro, it's the average length of your career is three years. Get your degree so when you're done playing, you can do something else with it. I mean, even Tom Brady was 40-something when he stopped playing football, the GOAT. Um, You know, he's got a lot more time to work before he stops working. And, you know, you want to be able to use your education to help you be uh, an efficient uh, giver back, you know, to your society and also earning money for your family once you're done playing. 100%. Absolutely. I completely agree. And, uh, uh, but also I wanted to ask, you think we're seeing a parody on, from the FBS level, I would say FCS, you still kind of have, but maybe, maybe more parody happening there too. We'll see. But it seems like from the FBS, we're seeing a lot more parody and people are saying, you know, the common theme, I think you could say on social media that I've seen. And I, maybe I've even made this argument too, is it seems like since NIL has been a, a, a factor more and more in the transfer portal as well. It seems like we're starting to get more parity. We had TCU who was the seventh projected seventh in the big 12, make the national championship a year ago, even though that was a, a you know, a, a blowout. Uh, and you look at this year, you're seeing it kind of all across the board here in the FBS. Do you think the NIL and the transfer portal perhaps has been the catalyst to this parity in college football? I don't know. You know, TCU, I would, Give they had over 20 seniors on that team, and I think Gary Patterson's one of the greatest evaluators of talent that uh, has existed. And what he did at TCU was just outstanding. He's also an excellent head coach and defensive coach. And uh, I'm shocked he's not coaching currently because um, I think he's one of the best. And what he did at TCU is really, you know, amazing. And I I was fortunate enough to work with Gary at Utah State for for two years. I was the tight ends offensive tackles coach and Gary was the defensive passing game coordinator coaching the safety. So um, I think that, you know, was unique that they did that. Uh, I don't know if NIL will make it, you know, equal or not. I think um, I think the number one thing is you got to you got to recruit and you you got to get the best players at your school and then you got to develop them once once they're there and now you got to recruit twice we had to do that at VMI you got to recruit to get them there and you got to recruit them to stay VMI for different reasons you know the the military aspect would lead to attrition and and then the transfer portal did make you know it easier for a VMI player to transfer somewhere else and you know, we weren't getting players from the transfer portal. So that did change the dynamic of what we were trying to get done there. Um, but uh, again, I think it, it seems to me the top programs are usually the top programs. You know, there's 10 to 20 teams that have a chance to win the national championship at the FBS level. At the FCS level, I think there's even more separation because of the amount of big time FCS programs, James Madison, App State, Georgia Southern, to name a few that have moved up to FBS. And so, you know, you got South Dakota State and North Dakota's, North Dakota State's, you know, separating, you know, those schools are in a state where there is no FBS program. And, you know, they maybe have an advantage in recruiting and resources to some of the other programs. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned Gary Patterson. I'm sh- I'm shocked that he's not he's not coaching either. I mean, we had Bud Foster on the show, and and we were asking him what was his favorite non, you know, not, he couldn't pick one from his tree of coaches uh, that that he likes to watch the defense of every every single week. And he said by far Bud. He said uh, he said Gary Patterson, and he said Rocky Long. Um, you know, which Rocky Long is, is now at Syracuse. Uh, you know, I shocked that, that, cause I know he retired from San Diego state. It looked like he was, he was going to, you know, right off into the sunset, but now he's at, he went to a quick stop in New Mexico, his old school. And now he's in, in, uh, up there in, in Syracuse, New York with Dino Babers. 
and they're undefeated. I mean, a, do you know coach long and uh, what do you, what do you make of uh, him now at Syracuse and perhaps them having a pretty successful season? I, I don't know coach long, but when I was an offensive tackle at air force, he was a defensive coordinator in New Mexico for one of those four years I was playing. So he's been coaching a while time, but I think he's an outstanding coach, former wishbone quarterback, I believe. Yeah. coordinator. So heck of a ball coach. And, you know, he's still getting after it. Syracuse having a great start to their season as well. I think Dino Babers is another guy that, you know, knows how to get it done, you know, big, you know, kind of play with pace, spread them out, throw the ball around and uh, does a good job. Plus he's yeah. got uh, Robert and I, who is at uh, Virginia are, is Robert at North Carolina state. He's got no, one of but- he, he had Robert and I come to Syracuse and his longtime assistant, Jason Beck stayed yep. at Syracuse and Robert and I is at NC state this year, but it, they're yep. running the same stuff. They're running yep. the, you know, Beck's running the NI offense it, it, at Syracuse this year too. Yeah. So, I mean, good, good. It's all good stuff. And, and uh, it's exciting. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, look, I got, I got a couple more things I wanted to, to, to pick your brain about. So you mentioned your, your son coaches at Towson, correct? Correct. Uh, Kirk Ferentz, who I'm a big fan of, he's gay. I, I've been a big fan of, of coach Ferentz for a long time. He's, he's uh, I thought done an unbelievable job at Iowa. He uh, also is kind of the punching bag right now in college football. I would say for the fact that their offense hasn't been very efficient the past two years. And his son is the OC Brian Ferentz. And for some reason, I thought, I thought this was ridiculous in my personal opinion was that they, they put a, 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 a stipend basically in his contract of saying like, Hey, if you got to score 25 points a game or, or you're going to be out of here next year. And I thought that was stupid because I was still wins like nine or 10 games every year. I feel like, but regardless, he would only put up 78 yards of offense against, against Penn state last week. People are, are like I said, it's, it's, it's become like a national pun, uh, but uh, what do you make and how would you handle that situation? If you are Kirk Ferentz, I mean, this is, a, I mean, is, is this one of the things where, you know, his son's going to realize, Hey, you know, dad, don't, don't take the heat. I'm out of here. Or, you know, does Kirk Ferentz just double down and say, Hey, I'm a, I win eight or nine games every year. This is what we do, you know, but what, what, what do you make of this whole scenario there in, in Iowa city? Well, I agree with you. I think Kirk Ferentz is an outstanding coach and, you know, Brian France is one of the top offensive line coaches in the country, not only for college, but the NFL. And if, you know, Brian was out of a job, he'd get hired probably within 24 hours. He'd have his choice of, you know, quite a few jobs and highly respected in the coaching community as an offensive line coach. I think his first year as offensive coordinator, they put up a whole lot of points and, you know, he knows how to coach football. He hasn't forgotten. I would don't know the Iowa program all that well, but I would do a deep dive on maybe the players. Uh, one thing I've learned is explosive players make explosive plays. And if you don't have explosive players, then you're, you know, you're trying to use tempo. You're trying to use formations. You're trying to use shifts, motions, or trickeration to try and create an explosive play. And, uh, you know, that's difficult to do because the other coach on defense is pretty good too, you know, wherever you go. And so, you know, I don't really like the stipulation in the contract. I think, you know, Coach Ferenz, you know, if I'm the head coach and I want whoever it is, whether it's my son or somebody else to be the offensive coordinator, I'm going to keep him coaching there. And then if they don't want that, then, you know, they don't respect that decision. They could, you know, get rid of me. Um, if they put that in the contract, if, you know, if Coach Ferenz is fine with that, I'm fine with that. I'm not, he yeah. knows a lot more than I do. So, um, I, I don't like it that it's in there, um, but I have a lot of respect for both both Coach Forenses, and I think I think the rest of the coaching community does as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree, uh, and and I think that's I just think that's uh, to me like you're you're winning nine ten games every year. If you gave that to most programs, I think they would take that in a heartbeat. You know, oh, we're going to win nine or ten games and, and compete, play for a Big Ten championship. I, uh, you know, this, he does it every couple of years. I feel like, I just think it's a little bit of overreaction, but um, uh, look, I also host the FCS show and I, I got to talk a little FCS. I love the FCS as much as I love the FBS. And uh, you said you still keep it, you know, your eyes on, on the SOCON I've been, you know, I, I, I've been lobbying for Western Carolina in the off season. I would say, Hey, watch out for the catamounts. 
Um, but I'm curious right now, if you had to take your pick, who, who do you think the top team is in the SoCon? I think Furman, you know, I think Clay Hendricks has done a great job at Furman. I think, you know, right now they're the champion from last year until you beat the champion. They're the champion. Uh, I think Western Carolina, you know, Corin Bell and his son, Cade, they really do an outstanding job on offense. I, I really like the way they attack opposing defenses. I think, you know, they really, really do a good job. Um, you know, Mercer, who who had the lost the game to Furman last week, I thought that would tell who the front runner was. And, you know, Mercer came behind them. But again, they do a good job there. And Chattanooga stubbed their toe against North Alabama, but North Alabama's playing pretty doggone good football. But I think, it, it, you know, Furman's in the driver's seat. And then, you know, right now I'd probably put Western as, you know, the second team, you know, coming out yeah. there. Those are that. Uh, I don't know what, you know, Sanford had a lot of offensive firepower coming back, but I think some of their defensive players, you know, moved on. And, you know, he really uh, put together some good defensive talent from the transfer portal a year ago. You know, I'm not sure because, I you know, I haven't followed it since I'm not coaching this year quite as near as closely. So not sure what's going on, um, you know, with them defensively. But I heard from some friends of mine that they didn't have the same players they had a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a bit of a shock as, is, uh, you know, they were projected pretty high in the preseason. How often, uh, you know, do you tune into your, to watch VMI, the key, the key dads and, and see how, uh, you know, they're doing under coach Rocco. Uh, I only check the scores and I try to wait till the game's over to check the score. You know, when I left VMI, I wanted to give them the best chance to move forward. And so, you know, I did it very quickly, you know, the, the, the day after the, uh, last game of the season was over. I wanted my staff to have the most amount of time possible to find another job. I, I wanted VMI to be able to hire a head coach as soon as possible because I thought we had 15 kids committed that were pretty good recruits and I wanted the next head coach to have a chance to uh, keep them. And, um, you know, so I wanted to do that in a way that gave VMI the best chance to be successful. And so I did not want to be a distraction in any way to that program. I actually coached for Coach Rocco. He hired me when I was out of work. Uh, Coach Hatfield retired at Rice. He gave me a chance to be an offensive coordinator at Liberty University. Have a tremendous amount of uh, respect for Danny Rocco. He's an outstanding football coach. I uh, emulated a lot of the things he did as the head coach at Liberty when I worked for him at VMI. And I think Liberty, um, VMI hired an outstanding person to come in. And I don't want to do anything to distract or deter what they're doing. Uh, excited that they're off to a two and two start. Um, that's a big time victory um, at home over Wofford. They've won two close games, which if you can win some early ones close, that gives you a lot of confidence when you play some close ones late. So, you know, it looks like they have some winnable games coming up. So I think he can have a really fantastic season this year. And I'm excited because a lot of the players that are at VMI are guys that I recruited that I still love to this day. I've just tried to stay far away because it's coach Rocco's team. Now I want him to have, you know, their full attention and, and not in any way, shape or form, get in the way of that program moving forward. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That makes, and I, I commend you on that. And uh, look, the, uh, is there any teams though? I know you said you could, you try to choose one or two each weekend. You know, is there certain ones you pigeonhole just because you're like, oh, whether you mentioned Sean Lewis or whether you mentioned, I know Gary Patterson is not coaching right now, but you know, are there certain teams this year that you're saying, well, I got to make sure I watch them because I love what they're running or what the, you know, I know that coach and he always, you know, gave me problems. I want to see what he's doing. Is there any in the FCS or FBS that just, uh, you know, catch your eye? Well, week to week, I just look for the matchups. But, you know, Colorado, because of the media attention and all the excitement Coach Prime's been out there, that grabs my attention. I wanted to watch the Texas-Alabama game, you know, early on. And, I, you know, I was just impressed with how improved Texas was. I thought they were better on the O-line and D-line than Alabama is. And I think Sarkeesian's a, an elite play caller. I'm really excited to watch the Texas-Kansas game. This weekend, because I think Kansas does an outstanding job, you know, on offense. I wanted to watch the Florida State Clemson game and was really impressed with how Florida State played against LSU and how Florida State played against Clemson and, you know, excited about what's going on there. Um, I haven't had a chance to see many of the West Coast games, but, you know, with Washington State, the way they're playing in, in Washington, the way they're playing, I'd like to catch a couple of their games. But 
you know, I don't stay up that late at night. And uh, so, you know, hopefully yeah. I can catch them at a, a normal time game. But, you know, week to week, I just look look at things and I go like, hey, this week I definitely want to watch Kansas versus, you know, uh, uh, Texas. That's that's the game that I'm really looking to focus in on because I, if Kansas can beat Texas, that says a lot about Lance Leopold and what he's doing. And, uh, you know, I like what they're doing offensively. Um, I really do. Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, this podcast and this show, uh, we, the year they brought in Leopold or Leipold uh, to Kansas, I, uh, I lobbied for them to be a surprise. I said, watch, they're going to be better than what you think. They went at Texas that year. They almost beat Oklahoma the next year they go bowling. So that's been our darling, but I, I love watching that offense. I think that is one of the most dynamic offenses. And I'm curious, I, I, I don't, a, he's able to retain his OC. I know people came for his OC. I feel like and he stays there at Kansas, but that offense is, is one of the more dynamic to watch. And it's kind of like a play on the triple option yet again. I mean, what, what do you, what, what, a, what do you make of that offense? And do you think we'll start seeing more and more offenses aligned to, to what, what they're running there? Well, it's copycat, you know, coaches copy other guys, but here's what I know about offense. If, uh, if you can create eight running gaps with two tight ends, and with the threat of going four verticals with a running quarterback as a as a running threat, it's it's difficult to play defense because you got to cover eight run gaps, you got to cover four quarterback uh, four verticals, and then you got to tackle the quarterback. You know, so that takes thirteen players on defense, and you're only allowed eleven. So if some combination of that, now it doesn't have to be tight ends to create those running gaps, and it doesn't have to be a run game to create that space. You know, you can create that space with you know by with Mike, like Mike Leach did by spreading out and throwing the ball. And like uh, um, different coaches have done with um, tempo and space and spreading people out throughout the years. Uh, but the other thing is just how well he's recruited at Kansas. You know, that that's a secret, you know, the secret sauce. And as well, as far as his offensive coordinator, well, he's an offensive line coach, just like Florida State's offensive coordinator is an offensive line coach. And I was an offensive line coach, offensive coordinator. And, you know, it's difficult. Um, to get other jobs because people think coordinators need to be, you know, quarterbacks. And I think people think head coaches need to be quarterbacks, but some of the best head coaches were offensive line coaches uh, in, in their earlier careers, you know, Chuck Noll, Andy Reed, just to name a couple off the top of my head here. But uh, I think his coordinator is probably staying there because he's making enough money and he loves who he works for. And uh, you know, if he gets the right opportunity, he might move on, but man, if you're working for a good head coach, uh, and you like the staff and you and you like the way things work, um, staff unity and dynamics and to truly being a family, that's worth its weight in gold. And it's hard to ever leave that. So, um, I, I, again, I, I'm excited. I think it's two great offenses. I think Sark's as good a play caller and setting up people with formations and motions as anybody out there. So that would be a great game, I think, this Saturday. Definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm all in on, on Kansas and obviously I want to see if Texas, cause you know, Texas do, did look great, but it also Alabama has had their struggle since that game, you know? So maybe they're not the same Alabama team. It's going to be fascinating to watch and see. Cause I think that could be a preview of eventually the big 12 championship. Um, well, I anyway, Alabama should have changed their quarterback. And I think, uh, you know, coach Saban might not, have, you know, I think his coordinator maybe wanted to bring in the guy that he was comfortable with knowing his system from Notre Dame and that didn't work out. And they went back to, you know, co- uh, to the Minton kid and boy, what a class way he handled that. And he came in there and led him to a big win over, over old miss. And um, so, uh, you know, that's one thing in coaching that there's a study out that if you lose a game and, and you change your starting group, you're more likely to perform worse when you change. You know, it, it's it, that's always the answer. Make a change, make a change, make a change. But stay in the course as proven, especially with, you know, not changing starters, uh, is proven the course to win more games. And I forget, I think Next Gen Stats did a study on it. I'm not quite sure. But, uh, you know, you got to, as a coach, ignore the noise and know what you – and trust your heart and your gut and do what you think is right. And there, there's a reason why guys earn starting positions. And the toughest place to do that at is, is quarterback. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I think Melrose their best player, but I, I also think you got to cater to his skill set. And, and I don't know that 
you know, I, I, I thought watching the Texas game, they probably, you know, and it's easy for me as a guy sitting back here, <laughs> but uh, to, to, to try to get him more run like designed running plays, but I don't know. I, I do think he is their best chance to win. And it's going to be uh, interesting to see the progression week in week out with him. Uh, but you mentioned Notre Dame for a second there. What would you tell if you're the athletic director of Notre Dame? What do you tell Marcus Freeman? And, and what I just want to know your take on the final two plays of the game. You only have you only have ten guys on the on the field two consecutive plays. And I thought Marcus Freeman handled the press conference after well when they were attacking him or attacking it. You know well, why would you do this? But I also was a bit dumbfounded when he said, "Well, we didn't want to give up the offsides." because it, it would move them closer to the end zone. But I was like, you're at the half yard line anyway. I mean, I, I, a, did you at, at, v, at VMI, did you ever have a, a guy whose job was specifically to count the amount of players on the field? <laughs> well, there's a couple of things you asked me. Number one, if I was the AD at Notre Dame, I wouldn't tell coach Freeman anything. I hired him. I trust him. I know he knows what went wrong. He took accountability for it himself at the press conference, which is admirable to me. It's admirable to his players, and they'll be able to move on for it. Um, you know, what happens is a lot of times on defense is you have different personnel on defense, just that like they have different personnel on offense. And you might want to, if they're in 10 personnel, four wide receivers, you know, one running back, you might want a certain defensive group out there. If they're in 22 personnel, you know, two tight ends, two backs, one receiver, you might want to be in a bigger personnel group. And I found when I was the head coach that sometimes that communication uh, got distorted. And so what I told my defensive coordinator, who is a good friend of mine, Tom Clark, look, we got to learn if we can't match sub for sub, the referees are supposed to hold it up. Um, but sometimes they don't that we got to learn to play whatever we get with what we got in an, in a disadvantageous situation to make sure we have 11 on the field. Um, so, or if a tempo situation came up, you know, or if they spread explode from 22 personnel to an empty formation. So, you know, we definitely did that. We had a guy count and uh, we made sure that we didn't get stuck with 10 guys on the field. The other thing that's critical in that is to your timeouts are worth gold. And a lot of times I find people use their timeouts in situations they really shouldn't use them. And, uh, you know, if he had a timeout there, he could have got, you know, timeout called and get the right people on the field. Um, I've seen a lot of timeouts wasted, you know, like you got to be able to block a field goal with your defensive starting unit out there. You can't have a substitution deal because they might not kick a field goal or the kicker may line up split out wide. So you got to be able to do things on defense that sometimes you're you don't you're at a disadvantage because of the personnel you have on the field. But it sure is better to play with eleven than ten. But yeah. with all that said, you got to find a way to keep your timeouts. Don't waste your timeouts. Um, save them for critical situations, even in the first half, because to have them on a two-minute drive to get three points at the end of the half, like your the enemy did for the Redskins uh, the first two games won them two games. So two and one, because they got three points at the end of the first half, they ran two minute drives with three timeouts so they could go down there and score. Um, so you shouldn't have to use them in a situation that you shouldn't. And, uh, you know, make sure you got 11 on the field. But with all that, Coach Freeman took full accountability for it. Um, they're going to learn from it, move on. But I definitely had a guy count until 11. And we talked about that regularly at VMI because I said, Let's make them beat them, beat us because we're better. They're better than us. Let's not get beat because we don't have enough players on the field or we don't have enough timeouts. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I have a friend that's a big time Notre Dame fan. And I'm sure this is may maybe he uh, has changed his opinion in the coming days, but his initial reaction was we got to get a better head coach. And I'm like, man, I get it. It's a really bad look, but we're all human. You made a mistake. All right. It happened twice in a row. I guarantee you he's not going to make this mistake again. You move forward. I think he's probably going to be a fantastic head coach. What, uh, what do you think? Uh, well, first of all, I think coach Freeman has, you know, Notre Dame's better since he took over. Yeah. Uh, he's doing a heck of a job recruiting. He's recruiting better players. Did he make a mistake? Yes. Will he learn from it? Yes. Will it happen again in his career? Doubtful. Um, hey, 
you know, football coaches, sometimes you make mistakes and you do it in front of millions of people. And it's real easy to sit back and say, hey, I, 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 he shouldn't have done it. And, you know, he'll have a plan in place that it doesn't happen again. And, and it, it can happen because, again, if they're substituting real fast and, again, think about the angle. Coach Freeman and his staff are at the 20 yard line. The ball's at the four. There's, you know, it's hard to see who's coming off the other sidelines. It's happening fast because Ohio State hit a big pass. They run down there. Decisions are having to be made split second. Um, even though you never want that to happen, I do understand how it happens. And I went through great lengths. <laughs> and, you know, Call Tom Clark on the phone and say, how long How long did we talk about not having that happen to us? Because I didn't want to lose a game that way. I, I mean, I just – I wanted to make sure they ran over us. So, um, I get why it happened. I, again, I'm impressed that he took full accountability at the press conference. Hey, nobody feels worth about it than than, than Coach. I mean, he he probably yeah. got two hours sleep that night, and he he's having to ask answer that question – you know, Saturday at the pregame show, he's going to have to answer that question. But he'll learn from it. I think he's a good coach. They got the right guy. One mistake should does not warrant a head coaching change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, I agree. I think I think you got to be patient with him. He's shown great signs of of uh, to me, like you said, accountability. And also, I think he is a good football coach. And we all make mistakes. Um, well, coach, I appreciate you hopping on. I I want to give you like. The floor. First off, this came up organically. You DM'd me, and my eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. I was like, "Hey, I, I, I know him. I want to get him on the show. I really appreciate you uh, reaching out to to hop on the show, and and you know, I I want to express uh, you know how how thankful we are that that you were willing to come on, and we want it. We would love to have you back, and I'm I just I want to give you the floor also, and 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 speak about. Why did you just uh, all of a sudden, you know, want to just hit us up and say, "Hey, let's go, let's 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 uh, let's do a little interview here"? Well, Cody, I you know I am re I am retired this year, or just taking a step back and you know watching things from a different point of view. And I was impressed with your content on Twitter, and I listened to one of your podcasts, and I was very impressed. I thought you were putting valuable information out there, and um, I'm trying to do the same thing in you know a little different sort of way. I'm I. I would love to help young coaches in the coaching profession become better coaches. And, you know, it, it's hard in the coaching profession to reach out to others to learn anything other than X's and O's because we're competing against, you know, one another. And now I'm available. And so if a coach, you know, has a question that they want somebody that's been there, done that, um, probably made a mistake. I mean, I lost a lot more games than I won as a head coach. Um, but I had to learn how to deal with it. And we we got to the point that we overcome it and, you know, won a conference championship and played in the playoffs against JMU and only lost by one touchdown. So, and we were kick, we were kicking an onside kick to recover and go score. So, um, you know, I wanted to do, um, I would like to be a service to people. It's hard to get your name out there unless you take a stance on controversial topics and, you know, I don't really want to do that unless I have a really strong belief that, uh, you know, I think things are not being portrayed correctly. Like I do believe what Deion Sanders is doing is good for college football. So I want to stand for that. I do believe Dan Lanning 100 percent wanted to win the football game and didn't had no other thought in mind when he did that pregame speech. I do believe I'm very proud that Coach Mac Brown stood up for his player and, and, you know, and did that publicly. So there's things like that, that I wouldn't have said anything if I was still coaching, but I am now. And there's other things that happen that I want to try and help, you know, coaches learn from, like, for instance, how do you stop from having 10 men on, on the field? And I, you know, I dealt with that. I got it. Uh, Clemson not making the third and one in, you know, in overtime. I've made that mistake, you know, calling an RPO on third and one or down in the low red and the quarterback pulling it and throwing it. And uh, I told my offense coordinator, look, when we're in that situation, don't call an RPO, call a predetermined run. Um, because he did exactly what we're coaching him to do. And he said, well, he should know the situation. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he should know the situation. He's old or he's a senior that just got hit in the head, you know. 
and he's still yeah. he's he doesn't have a concussion, but he's not a hundred percent there either. Let's let's take that off of him, that decision off of him. So, you know, I'd like to be there to help coaches and like you know sometimes, hey, coach, why'd you run the air raid or the wishbone? Well, here's why. Here's what the thought process. Is. And again, just somebody yeah. they can run ideas off of, talk to, and uh, also encourage them. Like, hey, man, don't beat yourself up. <laughs> you know, everybody's made these same mistakes. You know, that don't just just keep grinding, keep keep on keeping on. But you know, again, if there's any coaches listening to this, if if they want to, they can shoot me a DM. If they can't DM me, find a way to get a hold of me. Uh, I mean, I'd love to love to help you all out. And Cody, if there's anybody else other than you guys, I mean, Colby. Um, you know, have them give me a call. I'd love to come on your podcast, help guys out. If I can get you a, a few more clicks and likes, then awesome. Uh, that's fantastic. And look, you're helping us out. And I, I really appreciate that. And by the way, he is on Twitter at coach S watch like W a C H folks, in case you're not watching on YouTube, once again, youtube.com slash the college experience. Uh, well, we appreciate it. And look, you're helping us. And look, I want to have you back. Cause I love picking your brain, learning about things. You know, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? What'd you think of, uh, you know, I, I, I was just listening to a podcast on the way into work today where they didn't know. And I didn't know, uh, if they had someone, you know, designed, uh, you know, his job was to count 11 players on, is there a solo job for somebody, a GA, whatever to count 11 players. I was not sure from team to team. Is there a guy, but it's great to sit there and be able to pick your brain and be able to figure out stuff like that and say, Oh, well, VMI had one. So as much as uh, you know, I'm defending Marcus Freeman, I do think that's something they're probably going to have moving forward is a guy that's counting the 11, but I really appreciate you taking time out of your day coach. And uh, you're welcome back here at any time. And like I said, as the season prolongs and we get, you know, more crazier outcomes. I might, I might be trying to contact you saying, Hey, you're available. You're available for 30 minutes to talk ball. <laughs> well, they, yeah, uh, you know, definitely anytime. So I'm going to, I'll DM you my phone number. So you don't have to, we don't have to trade DMS. I don't always monitor that, but I'll, I'll shoot you my cell phone number. Just shoot me a text back with yours. I'll plug you in. But anytime you think I can be helpful on the show, give me a holler. I'd love to come back on. Oh, uh, we're definitely going to take you up on that. Thank you so much, coach. And uh, look forward to uh, watching, watching all the games this week. And uh, I will definitely be in touch. Thanks again. All right. Take care, man. Thanks for having me on anytime. Take care folks. Give him a follow at coach S watch W a C H. Thanks again. (laughs) All right. Love the energy. (laughs) Thank you. Take care, sir. All right, man. All right. We are back. Uh, What a great interview. I, I really appreciate Coach walking. I'm taking time out of his day to talk to us about ball. Once again, didn't have to do this. I uh, love the fact he's given back. And uh, I think he was a very good coach. And, you know, there's a reason why, you know, he won Eddie Robinson coach of the year. He knows what he's doing. It's, it's great to hear it from the coaching perspective. You know what I mean? Like I was unsure if, you know, the Marcus Freeman thing, do you have a guy counting 11 every single play? Uh, I know everyone says that, but you, you don't truly know they had it at VMI. I thought that was interesting. Everything he said was interesting. I'm going to, we're going to make sure we bring him back. Cause I, I, I really was fascinated by uh, a lot of the stuff he said there. And I hope you dig this interview folks. So uh, look, um, make sure, make sure you, you get out there, get on over to Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and give him a follow. Once again, I will plug it. It is uh, at coach. S watch that's so at coach S W a C H on, on Twitter or X, give him a follow because it's fun. Give him a follow also too, because you know, he'll, he'll be commenting on whether it's pro or NFL. I mean, college or FCS or NFL, you know, you'll get into the mind of a, a football coach with a, with a, you know, done a lot. You've been a part of some big time staffs, whether, like I said, I was wrong about Fisher to Barry, but he still, I think might've been a GA there under that. Uh, no, probably not. But uh, Bill McCartney has been on the staff with Gary Patterson and go on and on Danny Rocco, Jim Zorn, Mike London, uh, a lot of great coaches there. So honored to have him on the show folks. That's our episode. I had a chance to interview him. I wanted to get this thing in and I hope you guys dig it. So give him a follow and also give us a follow at TCE on SGPN. I'm on Twitter at the Colby D. Uh, also remember that, uh, I host the, uh, the FCS college football experience and the FBS college football experience 
Both those are available on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. Subscribe over there. Also host the college basketball experience, big basketball fans here as well, as we just started doing our previews there. And we have the college baseball experience with Noah Beanick and myself. Check out that. And there's a big 12 experience out now. All of those are separate podcasts, but we come together as one on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. Uh, get the SGPN app for free in the app store and Google play store. You'll get access to all of our content um, and come talk college football with us. Maybe you agree with coach hop on over to the discord sports gambling podcast.com slash discord. And uh, you know, talk ball with us, whether it's FCS, whether it's FBS, I'm excited to, uh, to, to, to see the, another, another slate of games this week, folks. So uh, we'll be back. Uh, later tonight with our, our week four preview and picks edition, but wanted to get this one out from a, a coach that I really respect. And I think it was a fantastic coach and former, former player, former college football player himself, offensive lineman from air force. So honored to have coach watch on and uh, look, we'll be back later tonight, folks. Until then, this is the college football experience. Scott Wackenheim interview special episode. You better start thinking about yours and we are out of here. Run.